hoping to fill up some of the time during some of my uh, treatment, we signed up for Netflix. And um, it turns out that that doesn't work because the streaming or the Wi-Fi at the facility doesn't accommodate it. But um, anyway, I, but I was going through the movies, and aside from the fact that none of my favorite actors, none of my favorite films, none of my favorite TV series are part of it, I was looking for things that I did like, things I might learn from, um, things that would be educational and entertaining to put on my list. And I ran into a film, a documentary film, called entitled I Am. Are any of you familiar with it? It's by a producer-director named Tom Shadiak. Now, the blurb about it sounded absolutely like something that um, I would be interested in and kind of religio-philosophical science kind of stuff. Well, Tom Shadiak is the guy that produced and directed or, and or directed films like Ace Ventura, uh, Liar Liar, Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty, um, and Patch Adams. Okay, But he had a life-changing event, clearly. And he went on a quest to find out um, whether he whether he was part of the problem or part of the solution. Now there are all kinds of things in this film I really wanted to share with y'all. I knew shortly after I had watched it the first time that I would love to talk with you about it. I, you know, I always want y'all to read what I read and watch what I watch, and, and so we can talk about it. But I was stuck for a title didn't know what I wanted to call the service. So I called Miss Susan and told her things I had been thinking about and hashed over uh, kind of where I wanted to go with the service. And, and as I knew what happened before I got off the telephone, I haven't had an idea. And so the title was more than enough. The children's story I shared earlier came from the film I was talking about. And uh, so does a whole lot of what I probably will talk about this morning. Because I can't cover this thoroughly, and I can't touch on everything I would like to without keeping you well beyond when you would like to be here. I would invite all of you to maybe look for that film. I am. In the film was a quote from Albert Einstein. Humanity is going to require a substantially new way of thinking if it is to survive. Now, as best I know, uh, Einstein did not go on to tell us what that substantial new way of thinking needed to be.
I know, and I know you know, that every day, all day long, wherever we go, whether it's the media, whether it's at work, um, or school, or just driving down the road, or, or during the course of our day, we are barraged with messages that we need more. That we're not enough, we don't have enough, and if we're going to survive or excel, we have to push for more. Now, there's a truth and a lie about the value of things. The truth is, if you were almost bare-skinned and standing outside or living outside with no place to go, no companionship, no food, and it was snowing and sleeting and um, you were hungry, you would be unhappy, I would think. Unless, you know, you had done it for so long that you went around the bend a bit, but, and that can happen too. In that case, if someone, if someone invites you in to shelter with a warm fire and provides you with clothing and ample food and companionship, things could make you feel better. Things would make you happier. The lie is that ten times as many things will make you ten times as happy. That a million times as many things will make you a million times happier. Now, I have an embarrassment of musical instruments. I collected them over time, at first slowly, and then it snowballed for a while, and I think, I think that fever is over. <laughs> but I can tell you absolutely that umpteen guitars does not make me happier, umpteen times happier, than one guitar or two or three. I mean, so think about it. What are the th- what is it that pulls you into that game? I mean, when we're in pain, when we're sad, when we're uh, confused, sometimes we'll reach for things to be the solution. Sometimes reaching for things leads to addictions. And, and, but we all know that those solutions are not permanent. While indigenous indigenous cultures cooperation in in indigenous cultures cooperation is one of the highest values and competition is a rather low value our culture has come to a point where it's stood this on its head to serve the economy 
and we treat the economy like this being somewhere to which we have to answer. But no one is accountable for it. And the cancer gets deeper. We would think, given the uh, world that we most of us have grown up in, that competition and um, being aggressive, to some extent, are part of our nature. But in the film, they talk about trying to evaluate that. Uh, one example that they offered was that there was a herd of red deer, and one would think that the stag who has fought off everybody else or you know, locked antlers with everyone and has come out victorious would be the decision maker for the herd of deer. Decisions have to be made like things, uh, about things like um, which watering hole to go to and when. If they go too soon, um, I don't remember what was wrong with that. <laughs> but if they go to the wrong, if, if they go to one that's too far, people, I mean, deer might dehydrate on the way there. If they wait too late, people, deer won't have the nu nutrients they need to be able to make the journey. And, it, and what they discovered was that during the course of the day, deer began to point their noses toward one of the watering holes. And when 51% of the herd pointed its nose at the same watering hole, within a few minutes, the whole herd got up and began moving that direction. And usually, the, the alpha stags sitting back there going, wait, wait, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, they're not the first to know. And often and he, he, he implied that sometimes they are towards the end of finding that out. But, he, but, the, but the idea that democracy is part of our nature before competition is, it's in the insect world, it's in mammals all the way to the large primates. He talked about how, you know, you watch flocks of, of starlings move in just magical patterns. They're beautiful, and you wonder how they do it, and it turns out they're voting with every single wing beat. Now, survival in a culture that pretty much insists that we be competitive and aggressive is the challenge, right? We can either be destroyed by it or we can run 
we can become part of it. Or we can put our efforts towards healing the mental illness, the wetico. Now, after I, can't, after I had come up with the title, talking to Susan, I had a late night store run to make. And there were some supplies I was getting for church and some, you know, the displays are set up to get your attention, true? But as I went through the store, I would reach for something, and as I started to reach for it, I would say, more than enough. And it made me evaluate whether I wanted or needed that or not. I know many of you are probably far more mindful about... um, the way that you are with material things than I am. Uh, And I know that some of you are adept at heaping your generosity on others and being... um, not overindulgent with yourself. I'm not trying to suggest that we move into some sort of scarcity thinking. I mean, if you go to uh, all of the megachurch television stations, you're going to hear abundance, and it's all there, and there's plenty for everybody to have plenty. What I'm trying to suggest is that the way we think about that model probably needs to shift. And some of my favorite scriptures from growing up in a Southern Baptist church are in Matthew 6. Um, talks about lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break in and steal but make your treasure spiritual because where your heart is where your treasures are there your heart will be also talks about behold the fowls of the air that they don't plant and sow or harvest but they're always provided for and uh, the lilies of the valley you know the lilies of the field consider the lilies of the field that they don't sow they don't uh, spin but no one is better attired I am not a slave to fashion I have heard some of you suggest that I might want to wear shorter jackets than I do. (laughs) Um, But I really would like to be less of a slave to my own hungers, huh? And as we start the new year, 
I'm thinking, this is the kind of little spark, the little fire that can take hold. If we pay attention to each other, if we tend one another, broaden our uh, family units to the larger unit here, and then become mindful about who we embrace, not who needs our embrace as a community, as individuals. I think it'll help uh, how we feel because then there's gratitude for the abundance that is ours. We have the joy of seeing other people. I, I don't know how to make this point the way I'd really like to. But we've gotten so far out of rhythm and rhyme with the world around us. I think if we're paying attention to what actual balance is for us rather than trying to weigh the scales down, we can help. Uh, there's only one way to eat an elephant. All together now. No. The changes have to begin somewhere. I am the problem. I am the solution. Think we can build up a movement? All right, I like that, yeah. All right, well, let's begin with loving kindness. Shall we sing? <laughs>